And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is The Athletic's Dedicated Blue Jackets podcast, a special edition of the podcast. We don't usually meet on Mondays, but we don't usually have a coach's uh, firing over the weekend. Blue Jackets moving on from Brad Larson after two seasons behind the bench as the head coach. He's been with the organization going all the way back, I want to say to 2010, making him one of the longest tenured uh, employees of the Blue Jackets. So kind of a, certainly a tough day for many. Uh, who counted uh, Brad Larson uh, not just as a co-worker within that organization, but also a friend. Um, I've reached out to Brad, uh, communicated with him this morning. He does not wish to do any interviews. I think the way he's thinking right now, he doesn't ever want to do any interviews about this. He's just ready to move on. Respect that as we will. Um, I'll keep trying, though, because I, I think it would be very informative to hear from from him and and uh, I think he deserves uh, to to state his case after again after spending so many years in the organization. I, from a coach's perspective, with all of the injuries, with the roster, the lineup that he was given this year, I, I think there's probably somewhere in there he may never acknowledge it, but uh, a sense that this was unfair. Maybe it, he should have known when he you take the job in a situation like this that this person that follows John Tortorella into a rebuilding situation that those guys often uh, it would be hard to say no to an NHL job for sure. Uh, but off, often you are the bridge to the next coach with very little chance for success. Um, we can talk about all of this. We can talk about whatever you want to talk about. We can talk uh, future candidates for the job. I think the blue jackets are putting together their list of people they like to talk to. 
we can discuss certainly where what direction you think that that should take, what kind of coach this team needs. Uh, any other questions you might have, step up to the stage or post your your uh, comment into the chat field, and we'll try to get to as many as we can. Um, busy day here uh, for for a, a person who usually sticks to the written word. Uh, did some radio in Columbus doing a podcast, the Jeff Merrick podcast, later today and, and taking some time to do this. So thanks, certainly, uh, for being with us. Um, Blue Jackets, you know, many will ask this, so maybe we can head this off at the pass. If the win over Pittsburgh in the penultimate game of the season, if that led to Brad Larson's undoing, I, that has that's been you know uh, certainly surmised, but I've not heard that from anybody um, who would who can say that uh, authoritatively. I don't. I, my sense is that the decision was made before that. I also think that this management went about this in the way that they did, and you all saw it. They put together a team that was just full of young players, minor league guys, mostly because of injuries, but also due to the situation. Um, they didn't take huge steps to improve this team, even after the awful start, because they could see where this is going. But when the, when the puck dropped, there was an expectation that Brad Larson and the players would do what they do, which was play and, and put everything forward that they can. I think it's certainly fair uh, to question did Johnny Gaudreau need to play 23 minutes in that game against Pittsburgh? Did he need to be out for the first shift of overtime? Why are you in a game full of so many young players getting experience? Why are you throwing everything you can towards the W? Um, that that could come back to haunt them big time. And, and I don't feel out of place saying this. That could end up being, depending upon how the May 8th lottery goes, that could be uh, Brad Larson's legacy, if they botch the uh, that first round pick, I think if if this team ends up with uh, Bedard, of course, no one even remembers the the Pittsburgh game, or perhaps we look back on it and go, remember how upset we got about that and didn't need to be. Um, if they land Fantilli, I think people are okay. If this somehow on the eighth tumbles them to four. Um, I think you'd you have a lot of devastated people, and that could end up being the legacy of Brad Larson and his staff. At this point, it appears that his assistants, Pascal Vincent and Steve McCarthy, uh, will be available to the new coach, assuming the new coach isn't Pascal Vincent. Um, it may, it could. Uh, my, my, my suspicion is that it'll be someone from outside the building, a uh, totally new approach. But we'll see. Um, and so the futures of Pascal Vincent and Steve McCarthy and others um, is probably in some question right now. I wouldn't say doubt necessarily, but question. Um, so it's lots to get to. Let's get to some questions. We've got two people up on the on the uh, stage queue right now. We're gonna we're gonna have more success with this today than we normally do. I just have a feeling. Um, we're gonna start with Paul. B. Paul, you are on stage. You are on the front and nationwide podcast. Go ahead, please. Morty, how are you? I'm doing all right, man. How are you? Good. Hey, sorry about last week. Can't trust that Bluetooth all the time, I guess. Hey, way she goes. Way she goes. <laughs> hey, it stinks to have Brad gone. I, you know, he is a gr tremendous human being. And, no you know, every single guy that stepped up to the podium during the uh, press postseason pressers, I guess you would call it, you know, 
reiterated the same thing, but it was, it, I found it telling that whenever they talked about Brad, cause every guy was asked about it, you know, they never, they always said, yeah, he's a great guy, good guy, but I didn't really ever hear one guy say good coach. <laughs> he was a great coach to be around something like that. I thought yeah. that was pretty interesting. Um, but the one biggest thing I took away, cause I pretty sure I listened to all of them. Every guy had a little sense of confidence that we're not going to, they weren't going to let this happen again next year, except for Elvis. I felt Elvis, even though he said a lot of the right things, it felt very manufactured to me. Like there wasn't much conviction in his voice that he really believed what he was saying. He was kind of just, you know, spouting out the talking points, but didn't really mean it. I didn't know if you got the same sense of that. I wanted to get your thoughts on it. Well, the only, the only thing I took away from Elvis is that as much as, a guy in, in um, my position, I appreciate people who speak so freely and openly as he does. But I can also recognize that at this point, really anything that Elvis says, I don't want to say that it's meaningless because, and I didn't get the sense that it wasn't coming from his heart. I, I feel like it was. I he always speaks very emotionally, very, um, very raw. But at this point, it, it's been. That's how every interview goes with um, with Elvis, and many of them do anyway. Some of them are, are downright uncomfortable because he's so open about things, and that probably sounds strange for a reporter to say. Um, and I don't want to say that they're empty because I, I do think he means them, but at this point, he there's nothing he can say right now that's going to affect or change just the simple fact that People just need to see it now. And it's, it is it is his play for sure. That has to get dramatically better. But it's everything about how he handles the position, which is, the to me, the more worrisome part here. It's, it's, I know that he can play. I know that it's in him to be a really good goalie in the NHL. But I'm not sure that it's hit home yet. Maybe it does now that, at his certainly at his age and his position, he has to be one of the most consistent, accomplished, as Yarmo Kekalainen said, one of the most physically fit players in the room. He has to be an example uh, across that room. He has to instill confidence across that room that that no matter what else is going on in this world, he's got his shit covered. And Elvis, as I think people still see him as a wildly talented capable player but that that aspect of being the leader of being the really the quarterback of a hockey team the the uh the foundation that just isn't there right now and so it is it is him changing in in so many ways that he can't really speak into existence he's got to do it and so I, I think no matter what he said Saturday, it was great to hear him talk like he did. It's great that he's not going to the Worlds, that he's going to focus on being in the NHL next season. But I, I don't I don't think anyone is going to be 100% comfortable with their goaltending position until we get into next season and see the results on the ice. And it, it might be a few – it might take several months. It may take a couple of seasons before people really feel that they can trust in him to be a number one goaltender. And that that's really worrisome when you've got a very young team. 
a hundred percent. It's, you know, hearing about it's one thing. It's, it's time to see results. You know, I like he's, you know, said, I, I'm a big boy now. We got to do it now. I'm a man or whatever he said yeah. yesterday. Yeah. Um, right. And then the other thing, what'd you think of Yarmo? Was this, this felt like a little bit of a different Yarmo at the, during his uh, press conference too. It was almost combative. You, I mean, you really got him going with your question. What'd you think um, of his tone? And I'll, well, uh, I, I'll end it there. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks Paul. I, I thought, honestly, I thought it was fairly normal. I, I thought Yarmo was was Yarmo, and I um, I certainly didn't ask the question I asked to to provoke or anger, and and we're fine. But I uh, I think it's a fair it's a fair question for the, one of the longest tenured GMs in the NHL. I just I thought it fair to ask, and still do if 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 he's feeling the pressure to get this one right. And it's not so much about did you fire a coach or change coaches. Either way, you've you've changed coaches. Um, you know, the, the, the ultimate question is what does John Davidson, his boss, what do Mike priest, does John McConnell think of the direction of this club under Yarmo Kekalainen? Um, and is the pressure on him now to get this, of course it is to get this coach right and to, to lift this team, this pretty talented team, this team that I don't think is that far away from being very competitive, uh, putting the pieces together to be a winner. I, I didn't think, I didn't think he w- he was really any different than he usually is. The one thing I'll say is I I appreciate the the clarity in in one sense of saying that Brad Larson wasn't fired be- purely because of wins and losses. Um, I, I understand that that's a fair assessment. That's basically saying yeah, there were injuries and we're using injuries to deflect why we weren't good this season, but we're also not using it as the measure for our coach. But then it points you to a lot of different ideas. Why was he fired then? If it's not a wins, losses, points thing, what are you looking at? Um, and that sort of suggests that there was stuff going on uh, behind the scenes um, that had slid under John Tortorella. And I think the players sort of confirmed that with some of their comments. So um, certainly an interesting couple of days in Blue Jackets land. Uh, James B., uh, James B, go ahead. You're on front and nationwide. So I was just wondering for coach search, is Fedorov really on the table? Because I think he wouldn't be a bad choice looking at our prospect list and our young players with Marshenko and Shinikov, Voronkov, uh, Ivanov and coming up in net. Tarasov coming in next year, Donetskov, and our lack of fear of drafting Russian players and having success in at least getting them here, unlike Shipchev did in Vegas. James, I may have lost you. I think Is Federer not a really good option? He's taken oh, James, you're going to Scott. Out, James, try us back when you get a better, uh, you get a better connection. And we'll... Uh, I want to answer your question, but I want you to finish it too because I'm not, I'm not sure exactly where where you're going with that. Let's get some questions off the uh, chat line. If you have a question, by all means, step up to the stage so we can hear your your dulcet tones. Uh, Ryan M says, "How much cap space does the CBJ have off have this off season?" Um, I let me look at this as we're as we're chatting here. Our good friends over at Cap Friendly, I've got a I've got my own chart over here that needs to be updated with some stuff, but I'll look at Cap Friendly. Um, and see, they're not 
they're not exactly drunk with it, but the Voracek move to uh, Arizona helps them immensely. And they've got some moves to make this summer. Um, so so I'll try to get to that that number. But it is obviously fluid with a few guys to sign. Um, Samir says, if CBJ leaves draft lottery with the fourth pick. Oh, Samir. Uh, they need to select Michkov, right? Even with all uncertainties, he seems to be a good talent to skip with the pick. Smith, Benson are good prospects, but the gap between the big four and others are too big that I can't see Yarmo selecting anyone other than Michkov with the fourth pick. Um, Samir, I, you, are, uh, you are in worst-case scenario mode here, but let's play with it. Um, I, I don't think they take Michkov with the fourth pick, and I hope we don't find out if I'm right or, or wrong. Um, my sense is that they would take Will Smith there. I think they think Will Smith is a hell of a player. And I think they want a guy that they can get into the organization. Now they're not afraid of Michkov being Russian. Um, I think the drafting of Marchenko, Chinikov, there are others, uh, the goalie, uh, Voronkov. I think this should, 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 you know, eliminate that thought. It's the contract that worries them a little bit. It's the fact that Michkov's probably good enough to play in the NHL right now, but you can't get him. It wasn't a problem. That wasn't a problem with Marchenko or Voronkov. They weren't ready immediately. So, yeah, play in the KHL, develop, get older, get stronger, and then come over. Michkov is seen as a player right now. So I think there'd be frustration with, with waiting for him for two years. The other thing, too, is if you've got to wait two more years you just signed Johnny Gaudreau. You're waiting two more years for that. Now you're in Gaudreau's fourth year. And I, I don't think you're just, you're not maximizing what appears to be the slow opening of a window here. Um, so I, I would, uh, I think they want a centerman too. That's another thing. I think they want a centerman. And I don't think you should ever take a lesser player based on position. But damn it, centers are so hard to find, and I think they like Will Smith. It's, I don't think they, I don't think they feel like they'd be giving up um, a better player by taking Will Smith. So that's that's how I would look at that. But let's see. That May the uh, lottery is just going to be nuts. So I keep coming back to this. How much does a ping pong ball weigh? Uh, it's pretty heavy right now. It's pretty heavy. Jeff B says. Um, in your Saturday article, Yarmo was quoted as saying they wanted to get there soon about competing for a cup. Do you think Yarmo is getting some pressure from JD? Um, I well, I know I don't honestly. I don't think anybody wants to win a cup more than Yarmo Kekalainen does. If anybody has the sense that Yarmo's not um, urgent and passionate to win, I think you're misreading the situation. Um. Yeah, I don't. I don't think he needs anybody compelling him to win hockey games. Uh, this stuff drives him crazy. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Uh, Joe B says, at what point does scrutiny begin on Yarmo? Is it time for a GM change, citing past issues with contracts for Anderson Dubois? Well, I mean, if, if <laughs> excuse me, if, if you were going to make a move based on contract issues with Anderson Dubois, yada, yada, I'm not sure you'd do it now because that's three years after the fact or two years after the fact. But is there scrutiny on Yarmo Kekalainen? Yeah, yeah, there is. And every time, anytime a GM fires a coach, they dial up the own their the heat on themselves a little bit more. Um, there's no question about that. And honestly, sometimes I don't want to obsess over this, but sometimes the uh, the way someone answers a question is as important as the words that they say. Um, and he, Yarmo's a smart guy. He recognizes the situation. I don't think the, the, um, pressure is like immense on him. This isn't a, uh, you know, he, this isn't a situation where people are like waiting for his next move to absolutely clown him. I don't think it's gotten to that point. Um, but yes, it, if the next coach struggles, uh, I would suggest that the next, uh, wave of, of criticism will be levied at the general manager, not the coach. Uh, George M says, uh, hey, Porty, thanks for the hard work. Thank you. Uh, two questions. First, do you think Larson knew on Friday he was gone but couldn't say? Uh, second, which first-year guys beyond the obvious, KJ and Kirill, could make an impact going forward? Um, I it, it certainly felt as though Larson knew what was coming. Yarmo insists that he wasn't fired until Saturday morning. Um but again, this gets back to what I just said, too. Sometimes it's how you say some things rather than what you say. And I don't think any of us walked into that postgame Friday expecting there to be anything but relief uh, from Larson, maybe even a little levity. Um, I tried to set him up. The goalie got hurt. My God, if, if anything's more fitting this year for the Blue Jackets, of course someone gets hurt in the in the season-ending game. And, you know, he... He was fine, but he wasn't. Uh, he wasn't playing along. He wasn't in a mood. He was in a mood, but not that kind. Um, he just sort of cast a pall, and you walked out of the room thinking, "Boy, he may have just said something with that." And that's why I don't know if you read what we wrote after the game, but the most we could say is that he cast an ominous tone, which is, I think, a fair way to describe it. And it turned out to be. Um, in fact, his last game for the Blue Jackets. Um, First-year players, other than uh, Kirill and Kent Johnson. Um, yeah, I mean, I I, I think, um, you know, I saw some stuff from Hunter McCown in the, his last couple of games that looked pretty promising. I don't, I don't get the sense that he's NHL-ready next year. Um, Yerichek, I think, looked interesting. Um, certainly better in his last two games than he did in his first two. Um, I thought Spozio looked really good as well. Um, very, very small sample sizes. And these guys all have huge off-seasons coming up for them. Um, 
I'm looking at, I'm doing a thing right now, uh, hopefully for tomorrow, just evaluating every player's situation on the team. Not a report card, because that just doesn't seem constructive to me, to hurl C's and D's and F's at everybody. And, and nobody gets an A or a B in a season like this. I mean, maybe Marchenko gets an A. Maybe Ken Johnson gets an A. Uh, Johnny Gaudreau gets an A or a B, whatever, Boone Jenner. But I'm just not sure a report card is, you know, what do you learn? What do, what do you, what's to be gained from just, right? So um, I just want to take a look at each player, how much money they're making, how long they're signed through, and just kind of what's the general vibe around this person, if they're, where they fit, where they seem to fit as we head into a pretty uh, important offseason here. Um, so David S says, I think we all know what will happen with the top three pick. Do we have any insight as to what the organization is thinking at slot number four? Uh, addressed this a little bit earlier. My sense is that it would be Will Smith. Um, hey, let's, let's get, uh, kooky here. If they end up at four and, um, boy, there'll be some pissed off hombres if they do, can they, and Michkov is still on the board at four. Do you move that? Do you even listen to moving that and going down a couple spots to get to let somebody have Michkov that maybe really wants Michkov and is ready to wait for him? Um, all things to consider. Let's go uh, back to the stage. We've got four people waiting here. Let's try James B. See if we got a little James B going. James, you there? You got me this time. I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Success. You did it. So I just want to know your thoughts on if Fedorov is yeah. an actual viable candidate. I think with our young Russian prospects and less than prospects, full-time NHL guys that we have, with, but also with Voronkov coming over, drafting Ivanov, Tarasov coming sure. up, and Donetskov getting drafted last year, is Fedorov not looking better and better as a candidate since we seem to have zero fear about drafting Russian players and actually landing them over here, unlike the Knights did with Shipchev? Yeah, so here's the thing. The situation right now, Fedorov is obviously busy coaching in the Gagarin Cup uh, finals in the KHL. Um, yeah, in about five minutes. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And so now's <laughs> not the time. Um, but he's done, you know, he's obviously a great hockey mind. Um, his his uh, legacy as a player is how quick, how well he processed and thought the game. Scotty Bowman played him on the back end. I mean, this guy, you know, you wonder if um, if sometimes great players make great coaches. But I, I don't think anybody doubts Fedorov's ability, and we, we've started to see it already in Russia. He's been a GM over there. Now he's the coach for the, the Central Army team. Um, would he leave there again is one hell of a question. Would he leave there to come over to the NHL just as a coach? Or would he demand certain controls over the team? Um, I've been told, I haven't been able to confirm this, so this is in gospel that he has one more year on his contract in Russia. I'm not even sure if he's looking to return uh, to the U.S. or the NHL um, as a coach. But it's it's certainly an interesting name. 
and he has ties here, and he is a name that's going to continue to crop up uh, in future years if he continues to have success in Russia. I know from being around him just briefly his time in Columbus, this is a very thoughtful, in prepared, organized guy. Um, of course, he makes a hell of a coach. And I, I think it's a fascinating name to put into the mix. I think there's some other names there with Blue Jackets ties that are really interesting, too. Mal Hotra is a guy that, that's really been on the rise. Hasn't been a head coach anywhere. So you, you wonder about that. It can be, you know, maybe he can handle it. We don't know. He hasn't done it. Um, Trevor Letowski has been a head coach. Has he been at it long enough in the NHL to do it? There's a lot of interesting names. The two that jump off, and, and it just, this has the feel of a place that needs a veteran coach to me. And so to me, Julianne and LaViolette jump off the page. And those may be two guys that have to wait until after the lottery. Um, maybe not. Maybe Julianne's been out of the game for a while. He's coaching Canada at the World Championships next month in Riga, Latvia. Maybe this is a return to the NHL. He's waited a couple of years. He's ready to go. Um, but in some cases, these veteran coaches would be reluctant to step into a rebuild situation. We all think Columbus is a little further along than, say, Anaheim or Chicago. Um, but what they think would impact that. But if they land a Connor McDavid in the draft, maybe if they land a Fantilli, that changes things and make candidates available for them that aren't currently available. Fair enough, but just to ride the Russian thing, what do you think about getting trading for Provorov or signing Orlov to fill that Gavrikov slot? Well, I, I love Orlov. I'm not in the. I think something's got to come via free agency for that one spot. And if you want to change up the other side, the right side as well, I think there's your trade. Um, I'm certainly not going after players just because they are Russian, but I think. They've shown a, a, a tendency here to, and it's the right one, to, to judge players by their, their own qualities, their own merits, rather than where they're from, um, any stereotype that way. Yarmo's drafted very few Finns and has pissed off the Finns by not drafting them. But he doesn't, he's not going to draft somebody just because they're Finnish. Um, he's, he's going to judge a player by their merits. I think Orlov would be great here. Um, I think, I think I've said before, I think the New Jersey player, Ryan Graves, who's probably going to hit the market this summer, would be a perfect fit on the second pair as well. Eh, part of me just wants to run a Russian five across the Blue Jackets boards, but yeah, that's you just dreaming. you got a thing with that. I well, married a Russian Bronco. wife. Let's see how it plays out, man. Thanks for the question. Thank you. Thanks. Uh, next up is Eric. L. Eric L., you are on front end nationwide. Go ahead, please. Eric, you there? how are you? Oh, I love that. What's up, man? Hey, I'm good, man. Hey, thanks for all the uh, hard work over the years. Uh, I've been listening to this or following you for such a long time. I can remember back when uh, the Columbus Dispatch was just doing those chat rooms and it was all text. Yeah. And one time I asked you if we were. Yeah, I, one time I asked you if we ever thought we'd see Jacob Voracek and Rick Nash play on the same line. I remember that was my my brilliant question for you, you know, twelve years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think you did. But anyways, uh, you know, with with the sort of like big picture of the team in mind, like that's kind of the thing, the way I think about things, and the thing that you know that gives me the most, I guess, 
anxiety these days is I wonder if Yarmo is like trying to accelerate the quote unquote rebuild a little bit too much because, you know, we, we kind of resigned ourselves to being bad for a few years after we went for it after the Tampa year. And then it kind of seems to me like, you know, we trade Seth Jones and then Yarmo says, all right, rebuild over. We're good again, regardless of whether we are good or not. And like, you know, just real quick and then I'll just get your thoughts. Like, do you think that he's trying to go too fast here? Because I know what happened this year with the injuries and all that. Everybody knows that story. But the fact of the matter is the team finished basically dead last and we've got like an extra draft pick from L.A. And basically everybody seems to know that we're going to trade that pick for immediate help. And just on the surface, that sounds insane to me. Yet, you know, you're the last place team in the league. Basically, you've got an extra first round draft pick and we're not going to use it because everybody's decided we're just going to be good again. And I'm not sure that we are. You know what I mean? I know I know the prospects coming up, but I kind of wonder if we're going to enter like Detroit Red Wings territory, you know, where it's like we've been sort of trying to trying to get good for a while now and it just doesn't seem to be happening. And that's the thing, I guess, that sort of, quote unquote, keeps me up at night, I guess. And I'm just curious what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, well, Red Wings territory minus the 23-year playoff run. <laughs> sure, sure, I'll give you that. But I just mean the past five years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I know what you're saying. Um, I, I guess what the question is, is how far away, how far away do you think this team really is? And how much, how much do the injuries truly affect what they could do this year? And and so, you know, we'll never really truly know the answer to that. I think there was a assumption after they finished almost 500 last year and then added Gaudreau and then add a year to, you know, a Sillinger type that things were only going to get better. And I, I don't want to overstate what injuries mean because every team has them. But, you know, when you if you started the season without Wierenski, without Voracek without, I mean, pick all the people who were hurt most of the year. Um, Boakvist isn't like a household name, but he's an important guy on this team. Gone. Lionel's out of the lineup four times. Jenner twice. Merzlikens is just hurt all the time and god awful when he's not hurt. Um, so all of those things, if 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 the injuries don't happen, this team could still have been worse than they were last year. And they looked worse than they were last year, the first 10, 12 games of the season. Um, but the injuries give them like no hope to dig out of that three and nine start. And, and you know, it's sometimes I think, especially for a team like Columbus, where some of the names don't jump off the page, it's easy to dismiss um, the importance of injuries. But if, if you follow, you know, if you follow the Bengals and, and you took, uh, Joe Burrow, T. Higgins, two offensive line linemen, and and three linebackers out of their starting lineup. You're damn right they don't play the same way. They would not be a very good team. Um, that's just the reality of of pro sports. Players matter. Um, so I I think the sense, and we'll find out in next season and in subsequent seasons, is that they may have. They may have finished at the bottom of the standings. They did. There it is. You can't get away from it. But is that truly a reflection of the talent on this team, the ability on this team? And I don't think they think it is. I think there are people, a lot of people around the league also that think that this team, if they land a Bedard or a Fantilli, my gosh, you could be looking in a couple of years at a team that's really, that this last season, painful though it was, was a real benefit to really push this thing 
forward. And I, I, I don't think they're that far away from being competitive. And when I mean competitive, I mean challenging for a playoff spot. I thought they could do it this year. I think there's a ton of guys in that room that have had wake-up calls, and we'll see how they how they respond to them. Um, I, I don't think Yarmo's going too fast because I don't think he's acknowledged ever at any point that this is truly a rebuild either. It's why it sounds like semantics, but it's why he's been caught up on the reset instead of the rebuild. A rebuild means you're planning a season like this one, and this was not this was not planned. Chicago was planning this. They've probably got three or four more years before they're competitive. Anaheim was planning a season like this. I don't think Columbus, I know Columbus wasn't planning for a season like this. And I, I, I feel like next year is going to be a real, really interesting yeah. Uh, yeah. season in their progress to see just how fast or how far this thing can go. Yeah, Yarmo's a competitive guy, for better or for worse. So I hope you're right. I hope they're competitive. I just sometimes I look at the lo- the roster and it's the same old story. Like you don't have any centers, you don't have good enough top four D, and you don't have good enough goaltending. And you can have talented That's wingers all you want. Yeah. You, know, right. you know, great right. guys in your bottom six on the like or your bottom six and your bottom pairing defense, but you're not going to win a championship with a lineup like that. So anyway, thanks for entertaining the question. I do appreciate it, and I'll talk yeah, to you again no soon. Yeah. Thanks, Eric. Appreciate it. Uh, let's see. All right. Luke L., as promised, you are up. Uh, William E., you're next. Luke L., you're on front of Nationwide. Go ahead, please. Hey, Luke. <laughs> hey, Aaron. How's it going? What's up, man? Not much. Uh, so a couple questions. So I was just wondering, you mentioned the organization might not be interested in Mitchkov because of contract concerns. That seems to kind of go against a lot of what Yarmo's philosophy has been with just picking best pick available. Do you think any of that's because of maybe his window of competition as opposed to Johnny's? And then also wanted to ask about Leo Carlson, if you've heard anything about him with the organization, because you mentioned Will Smith before. Um, I kind of remember JD saying back in, I think it was Line A and Matthew's draft about how it was a two-man draft, not a three-man draft. When are you yeah. heard anything about Leo Carlson on that note? And thanks. Yeah, that was, well, that was a slip up by JD, especially when the Blue Jackets ended up with the third pick. Um, yeah, well, they love Carlson. I, I, I mean, my sense is that teams around the league, it's a fairly unanimous top three. Um, and I do think I do think they're seen as a a drop off after Bedard, certainly with to Fantilli. But Fantilli also has a very unique set of traits that make him exceptionally attractive. Um, the size, the ferocity of the player is really a totally different player than Bedard. And I don't think he's necessarily seen as an immediate lift, lift all boats kind of player. I mean, guys, I think people expect Connor Bedard to step into the league next year and score 30, maybe 35 goals and hit 70, maybe 80 points. I'm sure some of you are like, "What? whatever, give me a break. But he's that kind of a talent. Um, and, and Fantilli will play in the league next year. I, I keep, you know, there's been some talk that he could go back to Michigan. I don't see that. I think he's ready for the NHL. I think he's he could probably he could be a 20, 20, 30, 50 guy next year as a rookie and and really you know explode after that. He is a physically combative player. So he can really change the look of your team. Um yeah, so and and Carlson I think is seen as a wondrous talent. I don't know if he's NHL ready immediately, 
I don't think he's, uh, I think there's a drop off after Fantilli in a lot of people's eyes, just because of the, the uh, Fantilli competitiveness that never goes out of style. But those top three guys are all seen as really special players. Um, and I think Michkov is seen in that light as well. It's just, you know, if you have a, a shit season like this, forgive my French, um, you don't want to wait for your your Christmas gifts. You want it to be right now. This isn't a team picking 12th and 15th in the first round either. This is a team that's that's paid its dues this season to get a, a difference maker, and it's a great draft for that. So, I mean, I, I can't tell you today that they will not take Michkov, but they have a an opportunity in this draft to, to impact their center ice position. And Voronkov coming over is going to help that. Whoever they draft this year, I get the sense, is going to help that. Um, that that's going to drastically change their center ice position next year. Two of the four could be different. Maybe it allows Boone to move to the left. Maybe it allows them to trade Roslovic. Um, all of these things are are potential, uh, are interesting. Maybe next year Corrali plays third-line center and, and Cole Sillinger is allowed to grow into an NHL job again as a fourth-line guy. I got no beef with that. Maybe Sillinger's ready to be the third-line guy next year. That position, that centerized position, could be dramatically different for them next year. It needs to be dramatically different. Um, so, uh, yeah, they love Carlson. I'm not sure Carlson excites them as much as Fantilli or Bedard does. But if they if they end up sliding to number three from the second pick, I think they'll be a little disappointed, but also relieved that they're in the top three, not as devastated as they are if they slide to four. That's my sense. Um, Luke, thanks for the question. Yes. Thomas, William E., you are next, and you are on the Front and Nationwide podcast. Go ahead, good sir. You can hear me now? Yeah, I got you, William. And, and yeah, I got you, William. And, and uh, TR, you're next. TR, you're next. All right. My question about Elvis, if he struggles again this year, is there any chance we would send him to Cleveland? And do you think his ego would allow him to play an Eagle in Cleveland or would he terminate his contract? Well, I mean, well, I mean, let's, uh, let's, let's, uh, get, the next let's get the next season. That is an option. That is an option. Not a contract you can trade. Contract you can trade. And if he starts playing next season, starts playing next season, or again next season, or again next season, or part of the trip. If he's sent to Cleveland, if he's sent to Cleveland, I would certainly, I, I would certainly think go there, move him to go there, play and get his, his game back, his, his game back. And I think it is possible. And I, I think, think it is possible. I don't think it's played on waivers. If he's as bad at this year or next year as he was this year, um, so those are all bridges that they may have to cross. If it doesn't get fixed, I think they they're holding out hope that that it gets better uh, than that. He's going to get a new coach. There's going to be if you listen to his words and take them seriously at all, he's going to have a, a monumental summer. Um, so maybe, you know, goalies are notoriously uh, inconsistent as well. So I, I'm I'm not ready to write him off yet, but he's got as, maybe as much as anybody in that room to prove. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug and play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point of sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. Um, GR has promised you are next. You're on the Front and Nationwide podcast. Go ahead, sir. All right. Awesome. Thanks. Uh, so my question is sort of around Yarmo as a talent evaluator versus as like a roster construction perspective. I know dating back to his days in St. Louis, he's, he's kind of a, a great scout in identifying talent, uh, you know, winning trades all the time. But I think as people have alluded, sometimes we have a lot of wingers and no centers and then... In terms of like team chemistry, you know, a lot, nobody that will stand up for the team when needed. And then the need to kind of go out and get band-aids like Olivier or Gabranson. And so kind of wanted to see your thoughts. I don't know if this year is hard to, hard to judge, but, uh, you know, how much of roster construction and, and team chemistry do you put on Yarmo versus, uh, you know, Larson and, and, you know, putting a team together and putting lines together that can, can gel. Yeah, well, roster construction is all the GM. There's no, there's no getting around that. Um, he picks out the ingredients, and the head coach is is uh, responsible for cooking the meal. Um, so, in terms of of getting the pieces, that is the GM's job. I think you recognize that when you're when you undertake a a process like Columbus did a couple of years ago, and moving out of Felino, moving out Savard, when the Dubois situation occurs and that changes the roster dramatically in a lot of ways, both centerized position and, and in terms of size and, and look on that team. Um, you know, you've got a, you've got some, a, a kind of a mess on your hands at times because you're sort of in, in between. I wish I had the right word. It's sort of like the, what an evolutionary biologist would describe as an animal sort of in, in transitioning from, one evolutionary adaptation to the other, how you're like, you know, what the hell, what's the horn on the forehead doing there? <laughs> or why the third wing? 
Um, sometimes these teams don't look quite right as they're growing into themselves um, because the, the pieces that you need just aren't readily available when you snap your fingers. So it becomes what these players are going to grow into, um, what's available to you. Again, things changed dramatically last summer when Johnny Gaudreau looked at them and batted his eyes and they had no sense that he was on their radar. And now he's a player. So how does that change the look of things? Um, there's really Boone Jenner is, is, is our nomination. The Columbus chapter of the Pro Hockey Writers Association nominated him for the Masterton Trophy in part because of his selflessness and his, his uh, the way that he approaches this. He's not a number one center. I don't want to dismiss his skills or his talent. Um, he's a hell of an NHL hockey player. But he has taken that on for the team without complaint. Um, he's done a hell of a job, by far the best of his abilities. Um, but, you know, Goudreau steps from that situation in Calgary to this one here where you know, he goes from 115 points to 70-some. It's a 40-point drop that you, you know, on, on the surface would think this guy didn't have a very good season, but he had a pretty good season when you consider how, how shuffled things are. What could he look like, Goudreau? with a Fantilli or a Bedard. Um, what could what could this team look like if you up that that a talent level down the middle of the ice? What does the whole team look like if they just get Wierenski back? It, it opens things up uh, dramatically. That's a 40-point, 50-point defenseman. And in a, that's a 24, 25-minute night a game guy. And that's just gone uh, 10 games into the season. So there's a lot of of uh, things about this season that make it difficult to judge. There's a lot of things that this team needs to fully fire, um, but I don't. I, I I think you can look at this team and see a direction, though, to see what it's going to become or what they want it to become. Um, and I think the I think whenever you know you don't obviously plan for five hundred and 65 man games and when players are just you take a Voracek out of the lineup it changes the look of things you, you take Wierenski out again it changes the look of things and there's really no way to replace that and so whatever it looks like is it's not going to look anywhere close to how you intended it and and I think you saw a lot of that this year so it's kind of a hard kind of a hard year to make judgments based on the, the chemistry and the build of the team when so much of it was was missing. Uh, as promised, Derek, you are next on the Front Nationwide podcast. Go right ahead, please. Hey, thanks for taking the uh, question. Kind of shifting yeah. gears a little bit. Um, looking at the club's history with making the playoffs and only winning one playoff series, mm-hmm. how soon or is there potential down the line if this continues to have someone like Bedard kind of pull like an Eli Manning or Lindros and say, I'm not going to play for the Blue Jackets because of their history and the way they've managed their talent and the seasons they've had. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess you would say that there's always a potential for that. If it's happened before, why, why can't it happen again? I don't get the sense that that is, is where this is headed. I, I don't want to say it could never happen. Um, cause that's not fair. Um, Hey God, can you imagine someone didn't want to play in San Diego? Think about that. Eli Manning, I'm talking about. That's pretty wild. Um, 
So, yeah, I mean, it's like, <laughs> in a lot of ways, that's like the one misery this franchise hasn't suffered yet. Um, so let's not speak it into existence. But look, Connor, Connor Bedard was drafted by the Regina Pats in the Western Hockey League. It's been done before at that level for a kid to say, I'm not going to Regina. And I don't know if you've ever been to the largest city in Saskatchewan. That can be a pretty rough place in the wintertime. He's from Vancouver, which is a pretty awesome freaking place. One of the most beautiful cities I've ever been to. I think he's shown no sign of being wired that way. He went to Regina and loved it and embraced it and has spoken glowingly about about playing there. Um, Not to say that one thing rules out the other, um, but his willingness to go so far from home as a 14, 15-year-old to not a marquee city, all apologies to experience Regina. Love my time there. Love the people there. Um, but to leave Vancouver to go there would be, I would think, difficult. And he did it without complaint or without even grousing a bit. Um, defends Regina. Loves Regina. I, I don't get any sense that he's wired that way. And and same with Fatilli. So I, I, I would, I would not put that on my list of concerns with the Blue Jackets, especially when you've got you know, goaltending and the defense and, and center ice to worry about. Um, thanks for the question there, Derek. I do appreciate it. We're going to move along here because we're, we're running low on time. Uh, next up in the chat room or the stage rather is Joe. Uh, Joe, you are on stage front nationwide. Go ahead, please. All right. Yeah. My question is, so um, I was just kind of curious. I was actually listening to Spit and Chicklets this morning, they said something kind of the effect of, you know, maybe Larson knew about the firing coming, um, even at the Pittsburgh game, um, which, you know, kind of makes you think maybe that's why he kept throwing Goudreau out there. I know he played something like 22, 23 minutes. That was kind of the same with all the games toward the end of the season. Um, so do you think, um, you know, there's any possibility that he, you know, really wanted to win those games um, kind of just despite the team on the way out? Or, you know, I know he's the coach. Um, they want to win. So I don't put too much stock into it, but I, I kind of heard about it and thought I'd ask. Um, next question yeah. would be, you know, if we do not, if we ended up getting that third or fourth pick in the draft, um, do you see them trying to trade up to the second? Um, you know, obviously no one's getting, no one's trading away the first overall pick. So not even going to think about that. Um, but do you think the team with the second overall pick would consider it? Um, and if so, you know, what could we potentially offer, you know, maybe our third third or fourth pick and then the first round pick we have from LA, maybe something else. Um, any thoughts on that? Uh, yeah. So let me answer the second one first. I, I don't think that number two pick would be available unless you just completely geeked out and talked multiple first round draft picks, um, multiple prospects. I think it would be really hard, if not impossible to land that pick. I don't even think that the team in the number two spot would even listen. Um, to be honest with you, I think that's how good Fantilli and, and Bedard are. I don't think you expect to land players like this in the draft, um, much less two in the same draft. So I, I don't think that, that the number two team, um, be that Chicago, or San Jose, whoever else, I don't get the sense that they'd even listen uh, to offers because they would be delighted to be there. Um, as for the first one, I have no way of, of proving that. Certainly it's been speculated about. I don't think you, I think if you judged Larson's 
uh, persona after the Buffalo game next to the Pittsburgh game. I, I find it hard to believe that he would have known before the Pittsburgh game. And I don't think he did. I mean, again, Yarmo Kekalainen has said the conversation took place Saturday morning. Uh, Lars seemed pretty disappointed. Maybe something clued him in after the game Friday. I don't know. Um, but I didn't get the sense that he knew um, before the Pittsburgh game. I think he was trying to win every game. He has said as much. I think he was coaching to win. He has said as much. I think the players were trying to win. They have said as much, but I don't think it was uh, in spite um, for or anything like that. Um, real quick to Joe. Let's see. That was Joe. All right, we're done on the stage. Let me get to some of these text questions here in our last few minutes. Um, let's see. Jason T., I know you said Yarmor took some exception to your asking, but if next year's Disaster 2.0 has ownership given any indication that the sea is warming? They have not, and they wouldn't. I mean, that would be an odd thing to send signals that if next year doesn't go well, they're going to fire somebody. They would most likely just wait for next year to not go well and then fire somebody. I don't think they would need to, to – um, to lay that out for, for people as a possibility. Um, so, and I, it's real. I mean, of, of course it's real. If, if the direction of this club doesn't turn around dramatically, uh, you do start looking at the GM, of course. Do you think Lion A and any defenseman not named Peak were the players who Larson needed to lean on from a management perspective? Um, not quite sure what that means, Robert. I'm sorry. Maybe I'm reading it wrong. Uh, Patrick D says, well, Yarmo can't say this publicly. How angry do you think the Pittsburgh win made him? Possibly would put him over the edge and firing Larson. I don't think it put him over the edge. I think it made plenty of people plenty pissed off. Um, but I also think they recognize that there's not much you can do short of putting a lineup together that has 11 guys under 100 games for making their NHL debut. You don't expect to win that game, but I think you recognize that once the puck drops, guys are going to go. Um, I don't think they decided to fire Larson because of that, but are they pissed off that they have less than that they have half the chance now to get Bedard that they did before that game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they're right to be. Um, is Jarmo gone by Christmas? If there's not remarkable improvement, um, which Christmas? Um, I mean, let's let's see. I, I don't know if there's a uh, – look, it's pretty clear that John Davidson and the people above him believe in the direction of this team. If that changes, and I don't think Christmas is any line of demarcation, if that changes, then the man who's charged with directing the team is is in trouble, yes. Um, who do I see as the front runner for the new head coach position? Um, I, I don't – I won't throw a name out there. And I'm not I'm not holding back in this. I'm just waiting to get more details and comment, waiting to do some reporting on this, basically. My sense is that they want an established veteran head coach. We shall see. Um that is that's just the feel that I get. That it, it they want it to be a person that's very strong in their convictions, um, insists on a standard of play. It doesn't have to be a John Tortorella type. Um, that really huge personality, they may also prefer that it isn't. Um, but I think it needs to be someone who's very, very strong and very passionate about doing things the right way. Two veteran coaches that are out there, uh, 
uh, that have been mentioned, Laviolette, Peter Laviolette, is never out of work for long. Um, is a very, very astute hockey mind. And Claude Julien, who, of course, coached uh, Montreal a couple times, Boston. Um, so there's some, there's some candidates out there. Um, Austin H says, do you think that Chicago San Jose would consider drafting Michkov at second or third? They don't always, they don't plan to be competitive the next few years. Anyways, I don't get that sense, but I don't know. And I think we'll see how it plays out. I think Chicago is a Michkov possibility, especially if they're three. I think he was ever three, either of those teams really at three. You start to think maybe Michkov is a possibility. Yes. Uh, Joe S says, do you think Larson knew the firing was coming and tried even harder to win the game against Pittsburgh? Um, yeah, that just came up. I, I don't get the sense that he tried to win that game out of spite. No. Um, yeah. Friedman stated he thinks the coaching position with Columbus will be highly desirable. I believe, I believe that would be uh, Elliot Friedman, friend of the program, by the way. Uh, does that give JD more leverage to look for a home run higher than they normally would be able to do? I mean, I don't know. I mean, are, I, I think if the question there, Patrick, is is ownership willing to pay for a coach? I think they are. Um, Christopher S. says, in the Sunday gathering, you listed Sergei Fedorov as a potential replacement for Larson. Uh, we, we discussed that earlier. Christopher, I hope you were here to listen to it. Um, it it's not a known fact that Fedorov would like to come back to the NHL. It's something to consider. That's what that list was. Um Steve G says, Porter, you have reported that the Kings first round pick may be used by Yarmo for immediate blue line help. Their own pick falls to number four. Do you think that may be in play to trade for a one C rather than a pick? Um, well, I, I think it's all in play if you get to four, but again, those, those top centermen just doesn't, those guys just don't move. And I mean, who's got a number one center right now that they would trade. That's, that is the question. And they, uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois moved. Who was the other one that moved a couple of years ago? I mean, it just doesn't happen very often. So uh, Brandon E says, two seasons ago, Yarmo branded this as a reload. Was that just branding to deceive fans? No, it was his way of saying that he didn't expect this to be as long as a classic rebuild, which could be five or six years. Um, what we were at one o'clock, so I got time for one more. William E says, do you think if Elvis struggles next year, they will sign him to the minors? Uh, possible. Maybe. Uh, Josh says that Will Smith sucks. He may be thinking of the actor, not the, uh, team USA centerman. Um, if you had to predict right now, what would your deep pairings be for next year? Go. Thank God, Ryan. That's from Ryan M. Thank God. I don't have to predict right now. I think a lot of the names are going to change back there. So let's, Let's hold off on doing that. Sorry I didn't get to any of these questions. There's there's more here. Um, it's a great sign, though. I appreciate you guys tuning in and uh, listening. Maybe I'll I'll grab some of these and try to respond to them on Twitter. Uh, it's 1 o'clock. we got to get rolling here. Thanks so much for being part of this. Um, thanks for, for joining us on Front and Nationwide. We're going to keep doing these, especially as news um, pops itself up this summer. And uh, I do appreciate y'all being there um, and asking your questions, stepping up on the stage. We do appreciate it. Uh, Thanks so much. Talk to you guys soon. Take care.